Welcome to The Read Along, a mini book club for your ears, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one, one chapter, chapter at, at a time. Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, the Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to Overdue Finds, an Edmonton Public Library podcast. Bryce Crittenden and Carolyn Land host conversations about books, movies, music, pop culture, and other interesting news about Edmonton. It's a great way to learn more about what's happening at EPL and about how you can use your library card to access all of EPL's in person and online services. To listen and find out more about Overdue Finds, head to epl.ca slash podcast. It's a, it's a bit of a shame that we didn't line up this episode with Canada Day. Kind of? I mean, there's, there's no way we could have. Uh, we would have had to take a great big break. We didn't know Canada Day was going to come and go yeah, that's in the true. course of the novel. So there, there's no way we could have planned for that to be. It's just, it's a shame. Because we could have talked about Canada Day. Yeah, we could. We can still talk about Canada Day. It's true. Canada Day is uh, a national holiday. For those of you who are not in Canada, it's kind of like the 4th of July in the United States. Uh, Kind of. In that, in America, they use the 4th of July to celebrate America. Yeah. Right? So Canada Day is the day we celebrate Canada. Yeah, more or less. All good things Canadian. Yeah. Things that are worthy of celebration. Indeed. Um, and that means that there are generally uh, festivities that go on. In, in most municipalities, we'll host a, a big Canada Day party. We'll have things going on. Oh, yeah. Over the course of the long weekend. Small small carnivals, music festival type stuff. There are some fireworks that go off several blocks from our house. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Obviously, because of COVID times, the well, celebrations yeah. last year and probably this year were much more uh, sedate or non-existent. <laughs> or not at all, yeah. But uh, in, in previous years, generally speaking, there are things to do, activities to do to, with the whole family. Most of like the local parks are open, and not just green spaces, but things like Fort Edmonton Park, the historical parks, the botanical gardens, stuff like that. Yeah. You can go and just... Big Canada Day events. Do special. stuff. Special yeah. events kind of things. And that does include up at St. Albert Place in St. Albert. I grew up in St. Albert, and there were always Canada Day festivities going on there I was going to well. say, you should know all about this. Yeah. and your old stomping grounds. It is relevant because that happens, or at least happened off screen yeah. <laughs> in this chapter. So that's why it was, it was kind of top of mind. And again, just a bit of a shame we weren't able to just perfectly line it up. But not knowing what was going to happen in the novel, no way we could have yeah. done that. No spoilers. But with that said, uh, let's get into a brief recap of chapter seven in which Johnny and Nick take a moment to commiserate over the death of an octopus and tidy up a room. Nick realizes that he's falling out of love with Johnny as she explains that her history with the ancient ones is uh, a little more in depth than she had originally intimated. And probably somewhat complicated. And she sends him home to, uh, Get a good night's sleep so that she can think on what to do next. And that leads us into Chapter 8 of Beneath the Rising by Premi Mohammed. So Nick does indeed arrive home, and he immediately catches just holy hell from his mother. This is 
an interesting start to this chapter where we snap back into what Nick's life is actually like apart from Johnny. Yeah. Uh, he was so caught up in the business with Johnny that he forgot it was Canada Day. Yeah. Well, they spent all the entire day before inside her house, didn't they? More or less, yeah. Yeah. They've been hiding from monsters, and unfortunately the rest of the world has been going on carrying as on, normal. Yeah, carrying on without them. This is a problem because Canada Day is a day that he and his family traditionally spend together. And it's partly because his mom works on Canada Day. Mm -hmm. So he usually takes the kids to some of the festivities. And she is real upset that he wasn't around. People who hold or have held minimum wage jobs know that stat holidays are actually good days to work because you get paid overtime. Well, and that's kind of the excuse he tries to give his mom. I was offered a last minute shift. There was no one else who could do it. And I, I thought I, it we was could super busy. I didn't yeah. get to phone. And she the, like, that's just not good enough for her. She had to leave the kids at home alone for the afternoon, which was apparently a little touch and go based on the debris left around the house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she is itching for a fight with him and unwilling to back down and unwilling to hear any excuse or any rationale from him. And this whole scene with his mom, I, re I think really says a lot about her. And granted, we don't get a whole lot of her, but to me, this one fight speaks volumes. If she is not outright abusive... In some form or another, she is borderline abusive. She definitely comes across as very emotionally manipulative. Oh, the her tone of voice, the words she uses, her lack of uh, like reasoning and rationale. When he tries to talk to her, even if he's lying, when he's trying to talk to her as a person, as an adult, mm -hmm. she hears none of it. No, because she he's a puts child. him down for it. Yeah, how dare he consider himself a provider just because he. Is paying for their Provides house. for them. Yeah. Yeah, she's not great. Nick also realizes with a sinking feeling that his mom's foul mood is going to pretty much scuttle any possibility that she'll listen to him when he tells her they need to get out of town ASAP. Yeah. Due to the horror story he's found himself in. Like, this is, th there's no way I'm going to be able to reason with her on this day at this juncture. Now, fortunately... <laughs> I was going to say, the weird upside is he doesn't have to. Yeah, because a monster thuds into the window right then, and that immediately gets her attention. So he no longer has to negotiate with her, because the conversation has come to an end. Indeed. I almost enjoyed how it happened, where he's facing his mother, mm -hmm. and she, because she is facing him, she is also facing the big window behind him. Mm -hmm. So she sees it coming, and what we get is not the description of the thing, but the description of her face as she sees the thing and as the terror takes hold. Yeah. Nick spins her around and hustles her in the closet to hide her <laughs> uh, and then goes to check on the kids. He's fairly confident that the mess that just hit the window is looking for him. So yeah, probably. He's figuring that if he can get the kids just out of the house and away from the house, they will probably be safe. And probably his mom will be safe if she just stays hidden. The creature breaks in through the window very quickly and is soon joined by other creatures as well. Yeah, so we have a black, uh, sticky, pokey thing. Everything has claws and teeth and is gross. Yeah. And then there are pink scorpion-like-ish things yep. outside. Yeah, it's just a whole, a whole swarm of things. Yeah. <laughs> it reminded me of when I read um, John Dies at the End. Mm-hmm. 
how he was describing the weird creature, mm-hmm. and it was just like a weird mishmash of parts. Yeah, it's <laughs> the classic Lovecraftian indescribable thing. You just get little glimpses of things that shouldn't fit together. Yeah, it was. That's sort of what I pictured. Was weird. I just sort of made up my own weird creature-looking things. <laughs> Now, the problem for Nick is that the kids are outside, and he's in the house, and there's a thing oozing through the hallway towards him and between him and the kids. Uh, he manages to get into their room and basically, like, cuts out the screen in the window and dives out. Mm-hmm. Swearing at these things the whole time. Yeah, and it, luckily he finds the kids in the street. Now, they are being accosted by more of these things. The pink things are outside. And he tells them, just get away. Just run from the house. Run and don't come back. And <laughs> run, run, run. then dives back in the house to save his mom. Nick is also struck in this moment how Johnny had described the little things, the things that can creep in through the screen door of the universe are dumb and weak things, but these things are showing intent and intelligence far above what he would call dumb or weak. And they're also spitting acid and ripping up the house. Like, yeah, they, they are... take down the, the wall. Like, yeah. they cut into the drywall. And... Yeah, they're not... This is not minor. <laughs> no. <laughs> which, which, if anything, underscores... And he doesn't have a chance to dwell on this at the time, but it underscores how much bigger and more terrifying the, the real bad things are. Yes. Because this is the small potatoes. And if this is the small potatoes, there's something worse on the way. Mm-hmm. To be fair, they are not excessively big, right? We're not talking colossal. No, no. I got the impression that they were the size of, like, a large dog. These creatures are also not necessarily problem-solving intelligent. It's more of uh, primal. But, well, even right? then, again, they're clearly searching, and probably searching for him or for people. So, intelligent animals. Yeah, but not We're not we're not talking like pure instinct. We're we're taught cuz again, they have they seem to have some intent that goes beyond just this is a dumb clumsy animal. Yeah, they're hunting. They're not they're right? not velociraptors from Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't go that far. I don't think they're velociraptor smart. Now Nick realizes he needs a weapon if he's going to save his mom. So he bursts into the garage looking for like the first pointy thing he can find and he grabs a rake. He manages to do a little bit of damage before he starts understandably getting overwhelmed by monsters. But then someone, Johnny, comes to his rescue with some sort of blast of energy that sends a couch flying over him. What I pictured in my head was some kind of magical shotgun. I I was picturing more like a grenade, honestly. Oh, maybe. Yeah. We don't really get a description, right? So The fight is already done. Like, the monsters have all been evaporated. Or run away, one or the other. Or run for it, yeah. And Johnny is directing traffic. She's telling his family, get into the street. Rutger is waiting with a car. Just get in the car. Go with Rutger now. Nick has anger. (laughs) (laughs) That is... That is the understatement of this episode. Like, he instinctually blames her for causing all of this. But even so, they take a moment to do a quick sweep of the house to make sure there are no further monsters. And they cannot find any, but the house has been trashed. Oh, ruined. Yeah. Nick asks kind of dumbly, did you just magic? Was that magic? She says, no, it was uh, an experimental weapon and pointedly does not confirm or deny that she can do magic. (laughs) Nick catches that. Now is not the time to talk about magic. Johnny says they need to discuss what to do next. And Nick is kind of more in shock over his home and family being attacked. And Johnny's like, snap out of it. There's no time for that right now. Because she says she has worked out kind of a slim chance they might have to save the world. And she kind of lays it out here. There is a conjunction coming. And a portal might open. And it might be big enough for the Ancient Ones 
and she kind of hints maybe even worse things than them might come pouring through. And she thinks they have a very minute chance of kind of going on the offensive and slamming that portal shut before anything can get through. Nick is barely following any of this because he's very in shock. Nick's had a day, everybody. Yeah, he's a little more concerned that one of his shoes may have been eaten by monsters than he is about the big portal that's going to potentially end the world. <laughs> How did he even lose that shoe? He does not know. <laughs> Johnny asks him to come and help her and reminds him, like, you all but demanded to help me earlier, so I assumed that you would be in. And he's a little curious what exact help he can be, and it kind of dawns on him that maybe she just wants him close so that the Ancient Ones can't use him against her. Better to have him on hand and in eyesight than somewhere potentially being gobbled up. He's not wrong, but I don't know if he's entirely right either. And she asks, are you willing to back my play as a friend? And he does assent. And it brings to mind a memory from when they were quite a bit younger, when they had a fight and he'd called her out about kind of just humoring him and pretending to be his friend because... He's just the stupid ordinary guy. And that cut her really deep at the time. And only later did he kind of realize that, oh, I might actually be her only real friend. Yeah, because all of those grown-ups that she talks to, they're not friends. No, they're barely colleagues. Like, right? Yeah. So Nick does assent. Yes, okay, as your friend, I will help you. But first order of business, what am I going to do about my house? It's ruined. And Johnny's just like, I'll handle it, and just starts writing out a check. And this gets Nick's ire up because this, he this is, is the last straw for him. As we've pointed out in the past, Nick is proud. Yes. And he is too proud to accept charity. Yes. And there's more to this. Oh, I yeah. think we're, we're going to break this down a little bit. He, he shoves the check back in her face and gets very self-righteous here, uh, accusing her of trying to buy him saying no amount of money that she can, give him could ever give back what the monsters she woke up just took from his family and he straight up accuses her of being just like the ancient ones just buying people the way they bought her because that's all she knows and kind of punctuates that with you you have called me your stuff before i'm not stuff i'm people you sort of have to understand where nick is coming from here mm -hmm. and i'm going to preface this by saying i am not a trained psychologist this is all armchair viewing. Well, I will give you the benefit of the doubt in that unlike an actual psychologist, you are literally in the head of the character in this moment. Yes, exactly. He is a, as you've pointed out already, proud. Yeah, he was He was raised to believe in the value of earning your own way. Yes, which is fine. He is also sleep deprived, failing his sanity checks, if <laughs> you will, full of adrenaline right now. Mm-hmm. And incredibly stressed out. This is a trauma response. Yeah, this is a breaking point. For yeah. Him. Nick breaks right now. Yeah, he says stuff in this moment that, with, again, a sober second thought, you'll probably regret. That doesn't mean he doesn't feel it. No, and he even says, like, it came out so easily and so, in a way, eloquently that... In the back of his mind, he's looking at it happening, going, oh, I might have had this script in my mind for a long time. Like, yeah, yeah, this has clearly been sitting here for a while, and I am not able to keep the lid on it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, so basically, <laughs> Nick is kind of a hot mess right now. <laughs> yeah. He kind of also contextualizes his reaction a little bit here, because he recognizes that for someone like Johnny, who has so much wealth and privilege, 
she's so rich that nothing is irreplaceable. A house means nothing to her because she can go anywhere and have another one. Yeah. Nothing is out of her reach because of her wealth and her influence. So nothing is irreplaceable to her, but to him, everything is irreplaceable. He's currently angry because he may have lost one of his only pairs of shoes. Yeah. He only owns three pairs of shoes. Yeah. And that's a huge blow to him. Whereas, again, she could lose her entire house and it would be an inconvenience at best. Yeah. Also, I think Nick's a little sore because <laughs> Drazi dropped by, destroyed a room in her mansion. These little monster things show up and destroy most of his entire house. Now, in fairness, most of his entire house might have been the size of that room in her mansion. Doesn't matter. Proportions. It's fair. Johnny is on the back foot. She's reeling. Like, he's landed a solid body blow on her with his words here. And she kind of rallies and snaps back at him and kind of calls him to task over his pride in this instant. Like, what is your family going to do? Live on the streets? Do you think insurance will cover this? How are you going to replace everything you just lost? I am offering to help. I recognize this is my fault. Let me fix it. And she's also not wrong. That's the thing. These two are hurling truth bombs at each other. Neither of them are wrong. Yeah. She's fixing it in the only way she can and knows how to do. By throwing money at it, yeah. because that's how you fix a problem like this. Kind of. But his pride doesn't like it because he's resentful of the fact that she can throw money around. Yeah. And he wants her to do what? Magic? <laughs> she kind of also calls attention here to one of the fundamental differences in their uh, of their brand of smarts, which we've discussed before. Because mm -hmm. we've discussed how Johnny is intelligent and Nick is wise. Yes. This is one of those occasions where... Wisdom has a shortfalling because Nick is reacting right now and she is thinking. Mm -hmm. In this moment, reaction is not good enough because all he's doing is dealing with the emotional wreckage of his life and recognizing how hurtful her attempt to make it all go away with money is, whereas she's making the rational equation going, no, this will help. This will fix it. And he's just, he's not accepting it because he's not thinking that way at the yeah, moment. Yeah, no. His emotions are super peaked right now, and yeah. that kind of rationale is not going to get through. <laughs> and and this is where the shortfalling of wisdom comes in. Yes. You can have common sense and still make incredibly stupid decisions. If the two of them would just learn how to work together, they'd make a formidable team. She Possi says, possibly foreshadowing. Arts, yeah. yeah. She does, however, make a reasonable argument in this moment. And Nick angrily backs down. But they're also both kind of spent, having just landed, again, a couple solid emotional blows on each other. She says Rutger will smooth everything out. She tells him to pack a bag. They have to go ASAP. He takes a couple minutes, gets himself a little cleaned up. Probably, again, this is part of his coping mechanism, just go into the drudgery because the familiarity of it is calming to him. Yeah, so routine. he like takes a moment to change his clothes, to brush his teeth. Like I think he has a shower. Yeah. But unfortunately, by the time he's ready, his family has already been packed away by Rutger. And he is hurt and a little bit outraged that he didn't even get a chance to like say goodbye or explain or come up with some excuse for what's going on. And then these two get back into it again. Yeah. He even asks Johnny, where are they being taken so I can touch base with them? And she's like, you know what? It's probably better you don't know. And... That's kind of where the 
danger to them really sinks home for him. Yeah. Like finally. even his knowing where they're being taken could be a danger to them. And that's deeply upsetting to him. And he again kind of contextualizes this with how he thinks Johnny thinks, which is that it didn't even dawn on her that he might want to say goodbye because she doesn't love anybody that way. Yeah, she doesn't really have an equivalent family. No, because she has she barely has a relationship with her mom. We've touched on this before. Yeah. She has Nick, whom she treats like a possession sometimes. Yeah. Frequently, I would argue. She doesn't have siblings. She certainly doesn't have any other person under her care who can't look after themselves. Yeah. Like, she has Rutger, but that's more like... That's a professional association. Yeah, that's more like him being on the payroll, not the same as having younger siblings that she would look after, or children of her own, or... Right? That kind of thing. Nick keeps having to calm himself down from having more fights with her at this moment, because he is still really emotionally strung out. Well... A shower isn't going to fix absolutely no. everything right now. Johnny also kind of explains, look, like there are rules in place for me, but those rules don't exist for you. And he's not really hearing her right now. He does not process what she is saying to him at all. No, he's he's thinking more in the in the context of like her class and privilege. What she's probably literally saying is like, there are rules in place for how the ancient ones can deal with me that don't exist for you. And that's why it's safer for your family to not be in yeah. play right now. It's also why she needs him with her. Yeah. Because this clearly is pointing at the fact that Nick has to be the one who saved the world. Well, yeah, it's tying back to him being the X factor in the Ancient One's plan, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which we speculated on last chapter. Oh, I hope we're right. It would be cool if Nick saved the world. But again, Nick is not hearing it at this, no. at this moment. Like, in one ear and out the other. Yeah. Uh, Johnny presents him with a faked passport, rightly assuming that he did not have one. Uh, he takes that personally as well. How dare she assume that I don't have a passport, which I don't have. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Lee, the neighbor, finally comes out as well. Phone in hand, clearly shaken, going, what? What? <laughs> what happened to your house? Yeah. Uh, Nick just kind of brushes her off. It's just a break in. We've already called the cops. Don't worry about it. And she can see at the very least, there's been, like, a giant animal attack. Like, there's claw marks on things and bite marks on things. Right. And one one of the things took up part of a tree. Yeah. Right? Like, there's damage outside. There's, like, a acid hairball burning through the wall. Like, it's... <laughs> this is clearly not a break-in, but, she, like, also, what else could it be? <laughs> and she's like, could like could they break into my house, too? And he's like, no, no, the cops are on their way. Don't worry about it. Which is a lie. Yes. <laughs> to the best of his knowledge, uh, nobody has called the cops. Maybe. He also... Totally brushes her off and just, like, hops in the car. Rutger is not driving because Rutger is taking the family. And it kind of dawns on Nick that he does not know who the person driving the car is. Yep. Just a vague description of a chauffeur. Yeah, like, but a big, beefy chauffeur. Which makes Nick initially think, is this a bodyguard? But as previously established, Johnny doesn't really believe in bodyguards. Or maybe she does now? I don't know. Either way, it's someone who Nick does not recognize. Yes. Um, as they drive off, uh, the sun has begun to set, and it's looking just a little strange. And Johnny actually points out whatever conjunction is coming seems to be affecting the light. And this is why she had taken note of the weird aurora over the last couple days when right. Nick had brought it to her attention. Yep. And is part of the reason why she was able to piece together that this this conjunction might be coming. She also confesses two things. Number one, she doesn't know exactly where they're headed yet because she's kind of fumbling here. And number two... 
she also confesses there's still a lot about what's happening that she does not know. Yeah, Johnny's improvising at this point. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's lucky she showed up when she did. Because she had sent him home for the night and then showed up within a half hour and saved his butt because clearly she suspected something was up. Mm-hmm. So something happened in the brief span of time between when he left her house and when she showed up. Mm-hmm. Well, and he took a meandering route home. He even mentions he took a meandering route home. Yeah. He went by the St. Albert Grain Elevators. Like, he took he took a route. Mm-hmm. Which uh, I... leads me to believe that I know what part of town he lives. <laughs> I wonder if something didn't come after Johnny as well. Possibly. We might learn a little more about what happened in that window. Mm-hmm. And she put two and two together and went, oh, God, I have to go save Nick and his family. Because... If something attacked her, probably something attacked him. Uh, what Nick knows, as we wrap up the chapter for sure, is that in every end of the world story, someone tries to stop it. And clearly that's what needs to happen. Whether he's happy about it or not, someone, and he's clearly thinking Johnny, needs to try to stop it from happening. See, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Nick. And that's the end of chapter eight. Yeah. Yeah. I am firmly on the side of, I think Nick has to be the one to save the world. And I hope I'm right. And I look forward to seeing what happens. Well, because as Johnny mentioned, there are rules in place for her. She's bound by a covenant yeah. with the ancient one. So she might not be able to act directly against them. It might be part of the rules. Maybe. But Nick, again, is her X factor. Mm -hmm. He can do things that she can't. Yep. And again, he wasn't hearing that in that moment from her. But I think that's nope. what she was saying. I think so, too. Yeah. Very pro-Nick world saver. Well, we'll have to uh, wait and see if we're right and if he succeeds. Oh, fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, we don't really have much to digest that we didn't already go through while we were going through the chapter. No, but so, it was an exciting chapter. Yeah. So we'll uh, we'll just kind of leave it there. You'll want to read up on chapter nine in time for next week. And yes. in the meantime, um, you know, our podcast network was founded by the irreplaceable and wonderful Karen Unland. She has since kind of uh, stepped back from her role in leadership in the podcast network because she has been working on other projects. One of those projects is Taproot Edmonton, who uh, naturally are supporters of the Alberta Podcast Network because Karen Unland is involved and has been involved with both. And uh, we would like to give them a little shout out. This episode of The Read Along is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, which publishes curiosity-driven stories, topical newsletters, and locally-focused podcasts, all in the service of informing Edmontonians about their community. Want to start your day informed? Check out The Pulse, Taproot's new daily news briefing. The Pulse tells you what you need to know about Edmonton every weekday morning. You'll get short, informative updates about what's happening at City Hall, plus coverage of business, tech, food, the arts, and more. You'll also get a little bit of whimsy from features such as A Moment in History, Chart of the Week, and The Friday Podcast Pick. And it's free! Sign up today at taprootedmonton.ca slash pulse. That's taprootedmonton.ca slash pulse. Yeah, Taproot Edmonton. Check them out. You can check out uh, other supporters of the Alberta Podcast Network, as well as all of our sibling podcasts right now on the Alberta Podcast Network website, albertapodcastnetwork.com. <laughs> it seems super obvious to make it easy. Indeed. Uh, you can also find all of those podcasts on uh, most podcatchers. Your podcatcher of choice. Yeah, probably your podcatcher of choice. Yeah. yeah. While you're there, uh, swing by give us a little rating and a review. We'd appreciate that. We sure would. Yeah. Uh, we would like to show that appreciation if you touch base with us on social media. Yeah. Uh, pick your poison. We are on Twitter, 
Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at The Read Along on most of those. Yeah, you can also send us an email. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. I'm willing to bet there's an airplane in the next chapter. Thank you for joining us on The Read Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network. All read-along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com.